On today's episode, I want to start with something that may blow your mind. Low stomach acid is the most common cause of acid reflux in the clients that I work with. Yes, low stomach acid can create acid reflux as much or more than high stomach acid. Why is this? In today's episode, I'm going to be talking all about what causes acid reflux and why zinc is involved in helping cure acid reflux for a lot of my clients. If you have been struggling with acid reflux, if you've been put on any type of PPIs or acid reducer medication, or if you have simply been self-medicating and trying to reduce your acid reflux burping or sense of discomfort in your stomach, today's episode is for you. Welcome to the Better Belly Podcast, where we find freedom from food restrictions, we increase energy in our lives, and we begin to feel more healthy and vibrant than ever by finding the root causes of our health problems. My name is Allison Jordan. I'm a marathon runner, functional medicine, health coach, certified craniosacral therapist, gut health nerd, lover of Jesus, and owner of Better Belly Therapies, a clinic based in Ann Arbor, Michigan, that works with both virtual and local clients to help them achieve the best health of their life. I am here to walk with you on your journey to a better belly and a better life. We're going to go beyond popping a probiotic and just checking out our poop. In this show, we are going to go deep into gut transformation strategies that last for your entire life. If you are ready to feel your best, get ready to roll. You are in the right place. And just as a reminder, this information is not meant to diagnose, manage, or treat disease. Always consult with your own health practitioner before you make any changes to your health. All right, so at the beginning of today's episode, I told you that low stomach acid is the most common cause of of acid reflux in the clients that I work with, and that's true. A lot of my clients come in, and while having IBS or Crohn's disease or um, constipation, a whole variety of other things going on, they also have acid reflux, and they might be on a PPI from their doctor or just kind of be trying to deal with it. I've had lots of clients who try apple cider vinegar to help with their acid reflux, and they find that just they're generally uncomfortable, even if they're on the PPI. Well, before we dive in, I first want to talk about what are the main theories that of why low stomach acid would be causing acid reflux. There's a couple out there, and I mainly stick to three. And so these are the three things I look for when I have a client who's having low stomach acid. And we also will talk about if you, how you can find out if you might be having low stomach acid. So the couple theories of why low stomach acid causes acid reflux. Number one, the sphincters that control the stomach uh, and where, with the opening, as in where the food comes into and then where the food exits, these are acid-sensitive sphincters. And so at the top of the stomach, you have the cardiac sphincter, or it's also known as the gastroesophageal sphincter. That's the most important sphincter when it comes to where you feel the acid reflux. So it's because of that sphincter and acid getting past that sphincter that you get acid reflux feelings in the esophagus, in the throat. Uh, And so that's the top part of the top sphincter of the stomach. 
Now, this sphincter is acid sensitive, and so it is cued to close. One of the things that cues to close it, there's a couple things, but one of the things that cues this sphincter to close is like the presence of actual acid. So if the acid level is too low, uh, one of the theories is that these sphincters are not being triggered to close. And so that top sphincter of the stomach, the cardiac or the gastroesophageal sphincter, since it has two different names, doesn't close. And then you get acid reflux. The other thing is, is that the stomach or the, the sphincter at the end of the stomach is actually really important as well. So the sphincter that controls contents exiting the stomach and moving on to the next part of the digestive tract, which is your small intestine that is known as your pyloric sphincter. And your pyloric sphincter, actually a lot of my clients, and you can check this out as well yourself, will feel that, find that their pyloric sphincter is tender or feels um, hard like a pebble, or um, sometimes if they press it, it'll cause a sense of nausea. And if you're curious what your pyloric sphincter feels like, not everyone's going to feel something, but if you feel your rib cage and kind of feel where the, the your two ribs come together in front of you at the center and the rib cage is going up towards your xiphoid process, if you know what that is, the the pyloric sphincter hangs out usually an inch or two below that point where your two ribs come together. And if you feel in that area, you might notice there's a little bit of a toughness or some people like the pyloric sphincter is so dysfunctional that it'll feel almost like a marble underneath the skin, very hard. And some people it'll be tender uh, or cause again, some sense of nausea. And so that sphincter is important as well in not having acid reflux because you need that sphincter to be opening regularly so that food can exit the stomach and move on to the next phase. If the food is not exiting the stomach, for one reason or another, then it will get backed up. And of course, the stomach's going to keep saying, oh, we still have food in here. We need to create more stomach acid. And the other thing that will happen is, of course, it's easier for the cardiac sphincter, that top sphincter, to not do its job because the stomach is more full than we want it to be. So we, uh, again, one of the reasons is that Uh, The sphincters that control stomach acid are acid sensitive, and we need high enough acid levels for them to be opening and closing at appropriate moments. The second theory is that food in the stomach is not being broken down fast enough because of the low stomach acid, and so the contents in there are hanging around longer than is good, and there's low amounts of acid in there too, and that gets ends up being pushed up as we go about our day. So. Imagine, you know, the the bag of the stomach is it hangs out on our left side and you have low stomach acid. So food in there is not getting broken down as fast. Then it hangs out there because the stomach's kind of waiting for that food to to be processed. And that can happen. And the pyloric sphincter isn't getting a high enough acid level, um, you know, cue from the body. And so it's waiting for acid levels to also rise so that it can say, hey, we digested our food. It's just not happening. And then you just have all this food and contents and acid and it's not going anywhere. And that could create that stomach acid uh acid reflux as you're going about your day, sleeping, things like that. And the third theory of why low stomach acid would actually cause acid reflux is that food in the stomach is not being moved through it in a, in a, in a good manner. So you have something called poor motility. And if you have constipation, which some of my clients, they'll have constipation and acid reflux. And so what we're seeing is that there's poor motility. The, the, 
the GI tract and all their little muscles that are supposed to kind of push the food along. It was like pushing toothpaste out of a out of a toothpaste, uh, I don't know what you would call it, container. Um, that's not happening. And so um, maybe you're having constipation and you're having acid reflux, which is really showing that you are, the food is not being moved along. And so the question then becomes, why is any one person struggling with poor motility, either of the stomach or anywhere else in the GI tract? And there's a couple of sub points here that I commonly see in my clients. So this is all underneath point or theory number three of poor motility um, causing uh, low or acid reflux and being connected with low stomach acid. But p- breathing problems I see strongly connected with clients who uh, are having acid reflux problems along with low stomach acid. And so clients who can't drop their diaphragm to get a full breath also are not pumping their stomach. The stomach is highly affected by the dry- diaphragm lifting and dropping and lifting and dropping. So if you are having acid reflux problems, I also recommend getting checked out with by someone who does visceral manipulation, not as a cure-all, like I'm going to go see this person and my acid reflux problems will go away because acid reflux is a multifaceted problem that is totally fixable, but you, you it's not just like a po- throw one thing at it, it's going to get better. But I do have clients that do not get better until they've had visceral manipulation because they have some restriction that is not allowing their diaphragm to drop. And sometimes that restriction is in the lungs. So like clients who've had asthma or had repeated bronchitis or any type of um, you know, pneumonia as a kid, I had pneumonia as a kid, um, those types of things affect your lung tissue, affect your lung pleura and the ability for your diaphragm to drop without restrictions. We also see restrictions, so that'd be restrictions above the diaphragm and restrictions below the diaphragm we see impacting our clients are is liver in particular because liver is ginormous and it's right below the diaphragm and liver is highly impacted by things like car accidents sports injuries sports collisions so like if you were in a collision sport whether that's football or soccer i mean soccer's not 100% like it's not like football but but there are you can easily have collisions in soccer or any other sport. And so um, falling off of a horse, all these different things really impact the liver and the liver, liver ligaments can get very tight from those things. So that's also huge. And we also see that clients with constipation or other GI problems like severe bloating struggle getting a full breath. And that has to do with the the balance of the pressure systems from the lung cavity, the thoracic cavity, and the abdomen. And so if you have bloating, it, the lungs literally have to work harder to drop the diaphragm into the abdominal cavity. So um, again, realizing if you're having breathing problems, you might have, it's not a uh, just go meditate and breathe deeper. A lot of our clients have tried that. And so if you have tried that and you feel like you can't get a full breath when you're exercising, or you do feel like your bloating's impacting your breathing, um, you might have something going on (laughs) anywhere from your liver to your lung to um, your bloating. All those things are relevant. Also, side note, this is also connected to women who are pregnant getting acid reflexes that they can't get a full breath. Um, they also have higher amounts of progesterone, which slows their, down their GI tract. 
as we were discussing motility being important. So, you know, pregnant women tend to struggle with constipation and that's because of their high progesterone. And then they also start getting breathing problems and organs being pushed up into the thoracic cavity from the baby. So women who are pregnant just have it rough with acid reflux and being not pregnant is one of the biggest ways to help that. There are ways and that we're not covering this on the podcast to really support if you are getting um, acid reflux while being pregnant, but um, that's just to connect um, for those of us who aren't pregnant if you're if that visual helps this idea of pressure from below um, being a problem pressure from above the diaphragm being a problem and then of course that stomach not being able to get a a good breath um, cooperating with it is also a problem another thing that can cause slow motility is low thyroid and that is something that I find is uh underseen in a lot of my clients that their doctors are not catching that their thyroid is low. And not that we put them on thyroid medication, but thyroid, uh, T3, T4, all these things that uh, are part of reverse T3, thyroid antibodies, they're all impacted by overall health. And so it is pretty common that we do see our clients struggling with thyroid problems and that the thyroid starts functioning better as we actually get to the root problems, but realizing that if the root problem is at point A and the thyroid problems at point T, which is quite far down the alphabet, um, that thyroid problem point T will then of course be affecting the acid reflux problem. And so just realizing we do check thyroid in a lot of our clients to just get us, get an idea and see is, is, uh, thyroid affecting the motility, both of think constipation problems, but also think acid reflux and the food and, and stomach acid, not moving and getting into the next part of the gut. And then stress is another thing that will cause low motility because the sphincters, as we were talking about, there's a sphincter at the top of the stomach and a sphincter at the bottom of the stomach. They are something that we call neurosensitive. And so they are uh, sensitive to our nervous system. And the there's a purpose for that, which is if you were to be, for example, being chased by a bear, you actually want those sphincters to close up really, really tight because as you're running from this bear, you don't want stomach acid spilling into other parts of your body, particularly your small intestine, because if the bear doesn't kill you, that certainly will. And so these sphincters are really responsive. And if the rest of your gut is usually kind of takes takes it a little while to catch up on what's going on. Um, so if you're being chased by a bear, your gut doesn't know it until a few minutes later. You want these sphincters to know like like a 30 seconds before you're running from the bear, right? And so they're, they're just sensitive. So they're going to be sensitive to things like we're not being chased by bears these days, but traffic or a checking out a bill that came up on your credit card or all these different things that can happen, your boss frowning when you hand in a piece of paperwork, all these different things, we are going to be cueing these sphincters and they can create new neural pathways and actually become more sensitive. And so there's a way to desensitize them to help them out. Helping stress helps. Also getting visceral manipulation and craniosacral therapy helps our clients so much with rewiring their Uh, sphincters of their gut. There's five total and two of them hang out at the stomach. So those are another reasons you can struggle with motility of the stomach, 
Another reason that I sort of already mentioned was injury. So car accidents, sports accidents, all these different things will affect motility. And then lastly, um, just as a note that sometimes acid reflux and motility problems and restrictions in the tissue at the level of the stomach will show up as mid back pain. And some people will end up getting chiropractic care for this or going to a PT or just saying, I've got low back pain or mid back pain. I'm going to try and crack my back or put a heating pad on it or try and stretch or do yoga. But this is all connected to the stomach because we don't talk about it enough. Or I don't I don't hear doctors really ever talking about it, that your viscera, your organs and the ligaments that they um, that attach your organs to other organs or to your to your skeleton, they can cause pain and they can cause real problems with your spine or with other bones or muscles in the body, and they can cause true pain. So this is something that I work with all the time: is identifying what is the root cause of the acid reflux. And and <laughs> even right now, I'm working with a client and she's got acid reflux, and we're finding mid back pain, and we're finding breathing problems, and we're dealing with this mainly through visceral manipulation, but we're also making sure she, you know, she does have low stomach acid. So we've confirmed that um, she does have mineral depletion due to low stomach acid. And so it's all connected for her, her fatigue and her, um, you know, fatigue is actually her biggest thing on top of the stomach acid. It's all connected plus her mid back pain. So if you have mid back pain, acid reflux, they're most likely connected. And I would encourage you to check out a visceral manipulation provider you can, we'll provide a link in the show notes for where, how you can find someone in your area based on your zip code to do that. So the overall thing is that we need stomach acid. We need stomach acid, not only to just not have acid reflux, but we also need stomach acid for some other important things, which I'm going to list right now. Uh, uh, We need low stomach acid to have good levels of B12. So ours, the same cells that create stomach acid in the stomach, they're called parietal cells. And these parietal cells, uh, not only do they create hydrochloric acid in the stomach, but they also create something called intrinsic factor. And intrinsic factor is what helps uh, synthesize and absorb B12. So a lot of times, um, one thing we're not being told is that PPIs, proton pump inhibitors, and other uh, stomach acid inhibiting uh, medications can uh, end up leading us to low B12 and B12 affects our sleep. It affects our energy levels. It affects our mood. And if you are on a PPI and you have low B12 and you're on B12, especially if it's a B12, certain most, most forms of B12 that are being recommended aren't highly absorbable. So if you have low stomach acid, you're not absorbing your B12, no matter how much you're taking of it. There are certain forms of it. Like if you get it intravenously, um, you don't need stomach acid for intravenous B12, but uh, and liposomal B12 is also better, but that's still not getting at the root cause of the problem. If you are not absorbing B12 in the food you're eating every day and an average vitamin, and you need really fancy forms of B12 to get good B12, you probably have low stomach acid, and and even if you're not on a PPI, like that is that's where you want to figure out first why do I have low stomach acid. And that's where we're going to actually get into zinc because you might be like, Allison, you haven't mentioned zinc yet. And I apologize for that. The stomach is just so, (laughs) it's so dynamic. It's so beautiful and dynamic. And zinc is uh, a huge part in getting correct stomach acid levels back. 
So low stomach acid is also connected to low B vitamins in general, connected to low calcium, which I know so many women that I work with, they're in their 40s and 50s, they have been told by their doctor that their calcium is low in their blood work, but your calcium can be low because you don't have enough stomach acid and that is not being checked out. So that's not fair. But uh, magnesium levels being low is also uh, being, is connected to low stomach acid levels. Uh, Low iron is connected to low stomach acid levels. You need high acid to absorb iron appropriately. And that's important for everything from um, having a period to babies, to energy levels, to brain fog, uh, to, I mean, all these things that have to do with basically transferring oxygen to our whole body when we're exercising and when we're sleeping and when we're thinking all so important. Uh, and again, so if you're on an iron supplement, but you have low stomach acid levels and you don't know you have low stomach acid levels, but maybe you have acid reflux, you're probably, or you have a higher likelihood that you're not absorbing the iron. And lastly, uh, low stomach acid levels are connected to low total protein because you need acid to begin the process of breaking down protein in the body, which again is going to be important for building up muscle, for uh, just rebuilding the body in general, for building amino acids in your neurotransmitters. So you can have a healthy mood, serotonin, dopamine, all these things, they're built off of protein. They're built off of amino acid chains. And if you don't have, if you have low stomach acid and that's causing your acid reflux, and then you're on a PPI and you have even less stomach acid, you are now setting yourself up to be malnourished, um, to have malabsorption, have low mineral levels, low iron levels, low protein levels, low B12. You're going to feel worse overall, which is not great. No bueno. So that's why we care so much about stomach acid levels in the work that we do. And pretty much anyone that I work with, we always do fun little tests to get an idea of what their stomach acid levels are like. So I already mentioned this, but want to make sure I just straightforward. This is where, where zinc gets involved. Straightforward, how do we get stomach acid? And here's the beauty of zinc and why you may have thought it wasn't an important vitamin before and uh, now it is. So, and actually by vitamin, I mean mineral. <laughs> so how do we get stomach acid? We get it from parietal cells, which uh, I already mentioned, they also process B12, which is important. But we need to make stomach acid, we need zinc and we need B1, which is thiamine. So zinc though is so, so important. And I find that it is the most common thing that my clients have low when they have low stomach acid as well. And here's the fun and horrible and magic part of zinc. This is why it's magical. You need zinc to create hydrochloric acid or HCl, and you need HCl to absorb zinc. So it is a catch-22. If you don't have enough stomach acid, you stop absorbing your zinc. And once you stop absorbing your zinc, you don't have enough zinc to make HCl. Like point blank, really rough story. And so Uh, You guys know that I recently um, was pregnant uh, in December and in November and December I was pregnant for two months and then found out my pregnancy was not viable and miscarried. And since I've been doing that, since that happened, I've been diving deep into my health and I just took some subtle things. I, I took some blood work actually and my blood work that, I mean, I mean, average blood work, something that you guys can totally get. I simply analyzed it from a functional health standpoint. Um, so not, not how my, my actually, my doctor ran my blood work for me through my insurance. And then 
she sent me a little note and said, everything looks good except for blah. And it was just like one thing. And when I when I analyzed it, I was like, nope, there's way more going on. And was actually able to pinpoint, I still was struggling with low stomach acid. I've struggled with acid reflux since I was in middle school and um, have been trying to heal that since uh, especially in the past few years when since I've known what to do about it and just realized my efforts had just needed to be a little bit more specific with my efforts and uh, my zinc was low and that was the missing link. I wasn't really intentionally trying to get my body's zinc levels back up uh, even though I was taking an HCL or stomach acid support. And so um, that's what we do with our clients. We make sure we check out their uh, zinc level. So how can you do this? And actually, before we do this, before I talk about how you can do this, because that'll be the end of the episode, right before I encourage you all to activate, I want to talk about zinc deficiency symptoms, because maybe you're like, I don't think I'm deficient in zinc, uh, which is what I thought too. <laughs> but zinc deficiency symptoms, the most common one I see is white spots on the nails. And uh, when I was a kid, I, I mean, I remember staring at these white spots. Look, I actually have uh, two right now. Dang it. Um, so <laughs> I used to think that they were from maybe my nails bumping into something. And so I would not really worry about them. But I remember seeing them ever since I was a kid. My white spots have actually gotten better. Um, I've been doing some fun testing, which we'll talk about in a moment for how I c I'm just getting a week-by-week week understanding of my zinc levels other than the white spots on my nails. But yeah, there are these little white spots that I always thought were maybe I had scuffed my nail on something or bumped it. And uh, that's a zinc deficiency symptom, potentially. Uh, reduced or lost taste and smell is a de zinc deficiency symptom, which I find incredibly interesting when you consider that we are finding that um, COVID, people who've had COVID and get it will lose their sense of taste and smell. And we also know that, and I don't know if you've seen this, but I've seen this, even the CDC was recommending taking zinc supplements to support the immune system when getting COVID. So there's a potential that zinc's just being depleted while getting COVID and that, this is just a theory I have, zinc's being depleted when you have COVID because of the immune system using it. And then post-COVID, you're just in a chronically depleted zinc sta status and taste and smell are being affected. I've never heard anyone say that. I don't know if I can prove it. COVID's so new. And uh, I have a friend who says intuition is fast and science is slow. <laughs> so we can have all these fun theories and it just takes a while to prove them or disprove them. But I think it's a pretty fun theory. Run with it if you will. Um, then reduced appetite is a zinc deficiency symptom. Poor immunity is a zinc deficiency symptom. And skin disorders such as eczema, eczema and acne. And so um, a lot of times my clients come in, they've got like rough skin, it's really dry, um, they've got white spots in their nails, they have a reduced appetite, they have acid reflux, and <laughs> they just look like a running case of low stomach acid and zinc deficiency. So if you have those things, maybe start thinking differently about what might be going on in your body. And if you're on a PPI, really recommend you talking to someone, you're doctor might not encourage you going off of the PPI, but start thinking differently. We would love to, I would love to talk with you. If you want to get off of your PPI, get rid of those white spots on your nails, help your skin look better, um, and stop your acid reflux naturally and actually get energy back into your life by getting your B12 back and your iron back and all those juicy goodness. 
please set up a 30-minute complimentary consultation call with us, and we'll talk about more about that at the end of this episode. But um, wanted to also give some low stomach acid symptoms because there are symptoms that are different. If you have high stomach acid and you're getting acid reflux, you're going to get very different symptoms than if you have low stomach acid and you're having acid reflux symptoms. So some low stomach acid symptoms specifically, other than this acid reflux, includes seeing chunks of food in your stool, bloating, because you're not breaking down food in your stomach, so your bacteria is eat overly much eating it, <laughs> and then they're creating all the fun gas and creating bloating in the gut. Gas, which is the next thing, especially smelly gas, because again, your acid is not breaking down food, so it's coming in too much of a whole food form by the time it hits your bacteria in your gut. Quick feelings of fullness is a symptom of low stomach acid, fatigue, and weakness when working out. Again, connected a lot to that iron in the B12 factor problem. So here is how you can do some simple tests at home of just getting a baseline idea of like, is this even a thing? Is Alcin crazy? (laughs) Am I possibly experiencing low stomach acid? Which is just a really big mindset shift from how doctors, if you're having acid reflux, they just say, oh, your stomach acid is too high and they throw you on a PPI. Not, Not always helpful. So test for home. Number one is to test your stomach acid, you can do something that I call a baking soda test. And a baking soda test is one quarter teaspoon, teaspoon, not like anything more than that, one quarter teaspoon, a very small amount of baking soda, six ounces of water. You drink it first thing in the morning. Um, So when you wake up, you don't brush your teeth, you don't drink any water or coffee or anything. You just go and you drink this solution And then you time yourself how long it takes you to burp. So after you swig this thing down your throat, you I pull up my phone and I time myself um, how long I want to burp. And this is, again, a ballpark test, but I find it's been incredibly helpful for our clients and and very much a good enough test. If you burp between zero to two minutes, you have high stomach acid. If you burp between two to three minutes, you have the good amount of stomach acid. If you burp between three to five minutes, it's low stomach acid stomach acid. And if it takes you five plus minutes, you have very low or maybe non-existent stomach acid. And that is the test. You do it three mornings in a row because your stomach acid can vary morning to morning. And then you get an average and that gets you an idea of where you are at. Now, if you are on a PPI or any type of medication that is suppressing your stomach acid levels, you might not necessarily know what your body's making on its own. There's a higher likelihood you will get a low stomach acid level response, but you can always just do the test and see where you're at, even if you're on a medication. That is just for the stomach acid. Now, if you're curious about your zinc, there's two things you can do, which I think are phenomenal. Uh, One is there's a a product called Zinc Tally. You can buy it on Amazon or Whole Foods. Um, and it is a liquid made of zinc and some other fun things. And if you drink it and you are zinc deficient, it tastes like water. And if you drink it and it tastes anywhere between like sort of metallic to like, I feel like I have a mouthful of blood, which 
I'm sorry, but like, you know, like the iron taste, um, that means that you are not zinc deficient. And again, these are ballpark. These are not like hundred dollars, you know, like there's some really good, amazing micronutrient tests we can do and have done in our office before, but this is a ballpark test that I still find is helpful. And this is what I do is I just have a bottle of zinc tally in my fridge. And once a week I swig it and check out how much taste I'm getting. I'm getting more taste back. When I started, I had it tasted like water to me. And I was like, dang it. (laughs) And so that's fine. Like, even if you're trying really hard in your health, like that can happen. Like I'm in, you have plenty of people who are incredibly smart in their health and there's just things that you miss because you're not aware of it. And that's fine. And so, um, that's what I do a little bit of zinc tally. And, um, of course I'm doing things specifically to help increase zinc in my body. And we're going to talk about that in just a second, but this is, again, we're starting with where are we at, where are we at <laughs> zinc tally from Amazon will provide a link in the show notes, really helpful. And then the second thing you can do is you can actually ask for blood work from your doctor. And this is something you would find on a complete metabolic panel, the CMP, and it's something most doctors are pretty willing to run. But remember, before I even share what markers you want to look for, actually, let me share what markers you're going to look for. So the markers that you care about um, are going to be chloride, phosphorus, albumin. But honestly, if you don't even get any of those, if you can get alkaline phosphatase, that is going to be huge. And if you've never heard of it, that's fine. I guarantee it is one of the classic things that is included or is something your doctor will know about. and It'll be on your CMP panel, blood work. Um, but here's what you want to know is first off, um, doctors may say these levels look normal when you get the results back. And this is because they are not evaluating your results in a functional lab range, which is based off of what healthy people's lab ranges look like, but they might be looking at you from a standard lab range, which is what the average person's lab ranges are. An average person has nothing to do with how healthy they are. For more information on this, if you're like, what did you just say? This is blowing my mind, Allison, or I don't understand it. Can you say more? We actually have a full episode dedicated to why your doctor says your labs look normal when you don't feel normal. And that we will provide a link in the show notes for that episode. It's a phenomenal episode. One of my favorites that I've ever recorded just because the information is so invaluable and it's not something talked about a lot. The other thing that I want you to know is if you are asking for alkaline phosphatase on your CMP panel, just know that it's not, it's not, don't just go and ask for your complete metabolic panel for your blood work because your doctor might not include it. It's not automatically included by every doctor or hospital system. Every doctor and hospital system does it differently. Their CMP panel. So So just say, doctor, I'm interested in my CMP panel. I would like some alkaline phosphatase specifically. You can also ask for chloride, phosphorus, and albumin. And when you get that, what we encourage our clients to do is then to bring it to us or a functional health practitioner. And again, I also say that with hesitancy because we have had clients work with quote unquote integrative or functional health practitioners, and they do not evaluate them from a functional lab range. I don't know why. I think it might be because it takes more time. Um, And if you're working under insurance, time is limited um, when you're taking insurance. So they might, I don't know why we just, I'm finding multiple clients that I've worked with now come to me say, I've worked with a functional doctor before. And then when we actually start digging into their health, the doctor never talked about their alkaline phosphatase or their stomach acid levels or their zinc or any of these other really important things. So, um, 
I do say you can get them for relatively easy most of the time. I find so you can get those and just even see if your doctor now says your alkaline phosphatase is low, it's really low. Uh, but but even if your doctor says the levels are fine, you actually still might have healing opportunities hidden in that blood work. But that's how you would figure out both your your stomach acid levels and your zinc levels and uh, really fun things. So do the tests. But here's what I do not recommend. I do not recommend just starting to throw zinc at yourself or trying to write your stomach acid levels. And here's why. Number one, you are not going to absorb zinc without stomach acid, which we already covered. It's a vicious cycle. You need zinc to absorb stomach acid and you need stomach acid to absorb zinc. But if you just go to then starting to up your stomach acid levels, here's what could happen. You could end up feeling worse. And the reason for this is that we need to ask the question, why do you have low stomach acid levels? And a common reason that our clients have low stomach acid levels is something called H. pylori. This is a pathogen, a bug that hangs out in the stomach and it loves acid and it, and it basically eats it and lives off of it. And that will lower stomach acid levels. Well, if you have H. pylori in your stomach and then you give yourself something that increases stomach acid level, either you take off your PPI or you give yourself apple, apple cider vinegar or something like that, you will have a higher likelihood of having worsening symptoms because you're growing something in your gut that your body doesn't like. And so um, this is a, just such an, another important reason to work with somebody if you're having these ongoing problems. And once you work with someone and you know I got rid of that H. pylori and all that jazz, you can start supplementing to add in stomach acid, supplementing for zinc so you're actually absorbing it, and that's a much more straightforward process from there on out. Um, but again, also re- remembering that you can have visceral restrictions, the liver restrictions, the lung restrictions, all these things going on. And if you if that is going on, that will also affect the efficacy or the effectiveness of dealing with the biochemical aspect of your stomach if your structural aspect is, is restricted. So seeing a visceral manipulation practitioner is so helpful. And that's why our clinic does both. So sometimes our clients come to us and they say, well, which one do I need? I'm like, we don't know until we've assessed you. And so we really look at both and we say, what's going on viscerally and in your craniosacral system and your nervous system and what's going on biochemically in your stomach and with pathogens or bugs or or your nutrient levels. And that's why our clients get such amazing results. Just like Everybody point blank gets better when when they are the right case for us, and um, that is going to bring us to our thirty minute complimentary consultation. But before we talk about that, I want to just say if you do, if you say like Alison, I have tried apple cider vinegar before, or taking a supplement to increase stomach acid levels, and I actually felt worse. Um, that's actually a sign that you might have H. pylori, and some of those worsening symptoms include getting a headache when you do these things, like take apple cider vinegar, um, getting nausea, getting quick feelings of fullness, getting mid-back pain, because again, you're flaring up that stomach-related tension, Um, diarrhea, getting worse acid reflux, getting burping, and getting bloating. Those are all connected to H. pylori. So my clients often have been very... uh, 
proactive in their health prior to working with me and they've tried these things and they'll say they felt worse when they ate ginger or kimchi or apple cider vinegar etc and that is because they had something else going on in their stomach and they weren't getting at the root cause so what i do recommend is get a stat on your acid levels with the baking soda test get a feel for your zinc with one or both of the tests of zinc tally and alkaline phosphatase And if you want help, we are here for you. This is what we specialize in. This is what we eat all day long. I love this stuff. And I would love you, I'd love to help you uh, dive deep into your health and give you control over your health again. The reason our clients do so much better is that we are here for them. We dive deep with them. They are no longer alone in their health journey and they start to really see results and get inertia on their health. So if you are ready to stop guessing about what will heal your body and you want thorough, long-lasting results, we are accepting applications for our 30-minute complimentary consultation. We are now going through an application process for the complimentary consultation because we, if we can help you, we will... Uh, approve your application for that 30-minute consultation. We have a thorough uh, application process where we ask you all sorts of questions. And if we can help you, you show up on that call. And once you're on that call, we are just discussing the best way for you to work with us for your goals and your health. So the which package that you want to work with us or which package is best for you to hit your goals. And so you are no longer on this roller coaster of your health. And what do I do? And what food should I be eating or shouldn't I be eating? And if you're tired of avoiding acid, acidic foods like tomatoes or citrus foods, if you're tired of all that jazz and you want to just be normal and eat normal, again, sign up, apply for that 30-minute consultation call. We would love to talk with you. I would love to support you in your health journey and just end the guessing. So if you'd like to apply for the 30-minute complimentary consultation, you can click the link in the show notes. Just scroll below. It is there for you. And I would love to check out your application and see if we are a right fit for you. If you love this episode, we have so much more coming down the line. Subscribe so you never miss a beat. And if you love this episode, I encourage you to take a screenshot and share it with a friend. I cannot count how many times when I tell someone I'm a gut health therapist that they say, oh, I know someone who needs you. So if you thought of someone as you were listening to this episode, I encourage you take a screenshot and send it to them and say, I'm thinking of you. I hope that you have a better gut and a better belly. Also, I'm so thankful for our listeners who are leaving us reviews. I just want to share one from CJ Acuna, who said she's already, or he, they've already referred multiple friends already to our podcast. She is so thankful for this podcast and the information that Allison shares and that they originally found me when searching for pelvic floor. And after listening to a few of our podcasts, they felt so informed and encouraged to seek better health and better answers instead of places where doctors have given them simple and unhelpful answers. Well, I am so excited for you, CJ Acuna, and how you are seeking for the root cause of your gut health and pelvic floor dysfunction. There are answers for you, and I really hope that this podcast is a part of your journey. In the meantime, if you have been listening to this podcast and have been impacted by it, I encourage you, leave a rating and review. These ratings and reviews are so helpful for other listeners like you to find our podcast, and it would be so meaningful if we could hear what is impacting you the most on our podcast. 
Other ways that you can stay in the conversation with us is by following us on Instagram and at Better Belly Therapies. We love connecting with our listeners and it means so much if you drop by and said hi. As a reminder, miracles are immediate and healing takes time. This is what we share every time and it's so true. Miracles are what we want every time, but sometimes healing just takes a lot of podcast episodes, a couple doctor's visits, and a whole lot of searching. Let us search with you. We would love to be part of your healing process. 